Today we have the coolest episode. I've been saying that a lot, but trust me, this one's the best one. It's long enough as it is, so I'm going to keep this introduction short. We have Aiden Mattis, over half a million followers on TikTok. Dude's huge, super, super smart kid. Um, we talked all things conspiracy theories, and he really blew our minds with a couple things. Um, we talked from Wendigos to Skinwalker Ranch to UFOs to Hollow Earth to uh, religion, just a ton of shit. So I really recommend you guys watch this one. It's in its entirety because it is interesting. It's my favorite one so far. Um, MurrayPizzaDavy.com, get your pizza. You know how it is. Kaylin Kyle, thank you. And thank you again, Alliance Technology Group, for the mics, AllianceTechnology.com, get your direct TV internet. You know the jazz. Uh, we have a new sponsor we're working with. Not going to announce them yet. Almost done. And that's it. Let's get straight to the podcast. Got to find them. But... Uh, so no, I, I love conspiracy theories, and then you pop up and you start talking about every conspiracy theory I talk about. <laughs> Me and my friends are talking. That's all we talk about most of the time. Mm-hmm. Not sports. So those are the two things that pop up that pop up on my uh, Instagram. Mm-hmm. Let me just from my TikTok. From what I sent you, what are you the most excited about? Uh, I don't have the list up in front of me. Um, I'm I, honestly here's <laughs> I am a. Uh, I actually originally was not like a conspiracy theory really kind of person. Um, you know, I, I believed in a few of them here and there, but I didn't take a, a keen interest in them. Um, the, the national parks thing was probably the, that, that's probably the one that pe- most people have seen, but um, yeah, the, what I went to school for, what I'm going to school for, for my master's degree is uh, medieval history and specifically the Celtic medieval history. That's super- um, and so when you when you popped Hollow Earth on there, I have some I have some thoughts. Um, so that was like, that's honestly the one I'm a little bit I'm uh, most excited to talk about. Awesome. Um, but yeah, that uh, Bohemian Grove, um, the whole national parks thing. I'm I love talking about all of it. So this is it, this has been great for me. It's it, TikTok is such a weird platform, but it's so much fun because like if you're if you're really on there just to like put information out there and start conversations it is just like the best possible platform for it because you can say anything anything you want and you will find the the algorithm will be like all right i will find somebody to watch that (laughs) yeah that's my girlfriend went viral like two or three times just doing the the cliche like boyfriend girlfriend thing Mm -hmm. we were we bought this like huge role like uh draw within the line thing from fire mm-hmm. glow and she posted it it's like oh date night she had like two hundred thousand likes on it or something yep shit. we it's, haven't colored it since yeah we, we colored it that's <laughs> the video <laughs> we got drunk that night and stopped coloring and then that yep. a really long time ago but I, i'm excited too about the national park thing man let's jump into that sure it is crazy <laughs> <laughs> the national park situation with all the underground caves is yeah it's ridiculous. So t- tell me a little bit about what you know about it. Yeah, so there's the, there are a lot of uh, intersecting bits and pieces to this, and it's it's one of those things where like these things all might be connected. They also might all be happening independently, and both of those are absolutely terrifying prospects. Because um, if there is something uh, lurking in the caves in the national parks, uh, that's that's terrifying on its own. Yep. If people are going missing in the caves and it is in no way related 
to the other disappearances, that's also concerning. Mm -hmm. um, personally, I've never been big on caving. You you could not get me into a cave if you tried. I hate it. Uh, I had friends who were in the Splunking Club at, at Penn State, and they were like, oh, you should come out with us sometime. And I'm like, no, <laughs> I'm not doing that. I'm not doing that, and I'm not scuba diving. <laughs> Neither of those things. Good man. Um, but yeah, so essentially what you're looking at is uh, our, our national parks are almost perfectly aligned in, in terms of the largest ones with these massive underground cave systems. And cave systems which weren't properly mapped uh, in any sense really until the, the later half of the 20th century. Um, and when you look at when, when these parks were founded, when they actually were put under federal protection it was before we knew exactly how extensive these cave systems were so on the one hand you've got massive unexplored cave systems which are dangerous enough but not really a, to people who don't go into them and then on the other hand you've got a phenomenon of people just disappearing without a trace in multiple national parks not all of them i live down the street from valley forge national park i promise you nobody has ever gone missing there partially because it's surrounded by suburbs on all sides. It's a yeah. very small national park. But, uh, you know, you have these, these people who go missing in the parks. And a lot of the times, uh, I see the comments all the time where it's like, or it was just a bear. I'm like, okay, I'm sure there are situations where it's been a bear. But when I'm talking about somebody who was in a group of four people and one second they were there and the next second they weren't and there's no sign of a struggle there's no noise there's just they find their shoe 100 yards away and that's it they're never seen again that wasn't a bear <laughs> like under no circumstances was that a bear that they didn't run away um you know we're not finding bodies like something weird is happening and the only reason i can think of for why you wouldn't find bodies in the case of even if it is a wild animal um the only reason i can think of that you wouldn't find a body in a heavily searched area is if that body was taken underground <laughs> so when you combine the disappearances with the cave systems with the the extent to which native americans genuinely take these stories of the wendigo and the skinwalker and uh some of the various other iterations of those creatures it, when you look at how seriously they take them and you combine it with the other two factors it it paints a very clear picture that as a historian when i am going back and i'm looking at uh you know stories from the past and archaeological artifacts and literature and all that what what our job is as historians is to take evidence and construct a narrative from it yeah the narrative i can pretty easily construct from cultural fear of uh monsters that live in caves massive underground cave systems and inexplicable missing persons cases is it's a pretty clear line that picture is is painted for me i don't have to that's just like a color in the color in the numbers kind of deal for me like um you know it's and and i think some of the some of the most interesting cases and i've gone over a lot of them on my tiktok uh mr ballin on youtube has covered i think pretty much all of the, the most confusing ones but i try and do it in under a minute um but the cases like uh tom messick up in the adirondacks um you know he out with i think a total of seven people and uh, the only thing that they know is this is a guy who was, who basically couldn't walk without help with all that. Like he, he couldn't, he could not have walked off on his own, um, was carrying a gun, was in full hunting gear, uh, was at most only a hundred yards away from the nearest person in his group. Somebody hears what sounds like 
you know, a car door slamming, and then they never see him again. Comb the woods, FBI gets involved, never even found a body, never found his gun, nothing. Uh, cases like Dennis Martin, you know, he's playing hide and seek in a, in, I think it was, I think it was Yellowstone, but I might be wrong about that. Um, playing hide and seek. His dad watches him go behind a rock. A few minutes later, the hide and seek game kind of crumbles apart and his dad goes to find him again. Dennis isn't there. His dad was watching him the whole time, knew exactly where it was the whole time. Maybe looked away for a couple of seconds. He's gone. Um, Massive search ensues. They find nothing. The Green Berets get sent in. And if you can name another time when Green Berets have been sent in to look for a missing child in a park, I will be impressed because that just doesn't happen. That's odd. That's not their purpose. That's not what they do. Um, The Green Berets are like the, the, um, it's the Marines, right? It's Army Special Forces. Army Special Forces, like the Navy SEALs, essentially. Yeah, it's it's very similar to the Navy SEALs. Um, So they they were sent in to deal with it, uh, which is very odd. You've got the case of uh, Stacey Aris, who went missing while she was on a horseback ride. Uh, This one was in Yosemite. And she was with seven other people, including her father, uh, decides that she wants to ride up the trail a little bit and take some pictures of, of the lake. Um, man watches her go down the trail. And he said she maybe saw her go 500 yards down the trail. It was about a mile and a half to the end of the trail. And she goes missing, never seen again. Um, the only thing they found of her, this was a 14-year-old girl. This was 1981. Um, the only thing they found was her camera uh, lens cap sitting on a rock. So, so what, what, cause I know we both share this, this trait that we look at everything through a logical lens. Yeah. So people are going to say, oh, either it could have been a person abducting her, could have been a bear. It could have been, um, she could have just got lost and who knows what happened. But I personally believe listening, cause I've, I've, I've read some cases. I've read a lot of, a lot of crazy stories and, um, really piggybacking off of like the way the native americans actually like they worship these gods to them so they leave them alone in some cases it's they do not worship like for example the wendigo is not a god no, 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 no. but no, yeah no. but they do they do have their their nature spirits their yeah, nature gods protect them from these yeah. things so yes they have the protector gods that keep them safe so in your opinion you would you wouldn't rule out wendigo or skinwalker because I wouldn't either at all. Not at all. Because I, I had, um, so I mentioned I had Zen Zodix on. Uh, shout out to Zan again, super cool mm-hmm. guy. Um, and he was telling me he himself had his own personal experience with the mm-hmm. one, which is very interesting to me. I thankfully, very thankfully, live in the East Coast <laughs> yeah. and don't have to worry about any of those guys because that's a whole, that's just the Appalachians apparently where they live. Or, uh, Appalachians, Rockies, uh, yeah, West Coast, sightings uh, in Yellowstone, yeah. Yosemite. Yeah, I mean, Appalachians are. Huge. I went to school for four years in the Appalachians, um, so it's you know Penn State is nestled right up in there. Uh, and I'm not. I, I've never had like a personal encounter with one of these things, but I, I will say there's. If you go out into some of the less uh, less tread parts of those mountains, it is a deep sense of like something's like almost something's watching you at all times it's horrible i went to seattle it's funny story i was supposed to go to japan japan got shut down they are tickets purchased and we had a 
it was me and three other friends and we had we already had our vacation set so we had no, no idea what to do and it was during spring break so we're like you know fuck it we'll just switch it to seattle right went to mount rainier mm-hmm. and we went to this is the this is the one that's lesser known i don't know if you've mm-hmm. heard of mount Sai. Uh, i haven't heard of mount Sai. mount Sai is it's it's still in, in washington but it's a little whatever but we went to mount st helens also so Rainier is there's there's another missing four in one case that's at Rainier. Yeah, as exactly. well. So yeah. I, the whole time we were there, the only thing I was thinking about was fuck, stay in the group, stay on mm-hmm. trail, stay, make sure we always see people around us. Yep. And we went in the middle of May, and when we got to the top of Rainier, <laughs> we were waist deep in snow in the middle Oof. of May. So we were terrified. But yeah. that feeling you're talking about, we always stayed on trail, thank God. But there gets a point where if you don't see anybody, there's just a feeling of hopelessness. Like yeah. there's, if you get lost, you're never getting out. There's yep. just, people don't realize how big these parks can really be. Like, yeah, it's absolutely crazy. So you one second. But, um, so the way Zan explained his, his, his encounter was, uh, he was in the middle of the night. He went on like a Boy Scouts retreat with, mm-hmm. with his mom, his, his, his stepdad, he said, if I remember the story right, was like the, one of the chaperones or something. Mm-hmm. And he's like, hey, do you want to come with me? We'll go look for deer. So they went out at like nighttime. He said that the best time to see deer was nighttime or in the morning, but like not in the morning. Mm-hmm. So they, yeah, went not out, they, they went out and they saw some stuff, but not, nothing really. So it's starting to get dark. So they start coming back. And his, his stepdad is like, look, do you see that? And he looks, and he was 13 or 14 at the time. And he says he remembers vividly, swore on everything. He's like, there was a deer 10 feet in front of them on its hind legs, mm-hmm. walking normally. Like it wasn't stumbling. <laughs> and when he's, the way he described it to me, bro, I got chills. Like I started freaking out. Mm-hmm. I was like, bro, if I see that, I don't know what I would do. And he said the deer stopped stared at them had no whites in his eyes with straight mm-hmm. black eyes and walked backwards into the bushes and that his stepdad is like get in the fucking car we're out yep that was his experience so the experiences i hear from people are similar i hear a lot of people talk about the the deer and its hind legs because that's if you look at like wendigo depictions that's what they look like um that one's actually a that that's a miscommunication um, right. that, that happened back during the 20th century in the uh the late 19th century um the the native american description of the wendigo and i've got this almost memorized at this point is uh it is a gaunt emaciated figure it's desiccated flesh hanging tightly against its uh bones the bones protruding out of the flesh that you can actually see them mm-hmm. um it's got this this shallow uh pallid look to it it's missing lips uh often missing toes cracked teeth sometimes the the nose appears to have been like rotted off uh frostbitten features stuff like that um and then the the depiction with like the deer skull um kind of got pushed into it later on by uh european americans who wanted to kind of i think make it a little bit more distinct from some legends that uh, Europeans would understand and recognize like vampires, ghouls, uh, strigoi, things like that. Um, And then this all ties into another phenomenon on 
uh, like in specifically the Appalachians is the most common spot, but the, the not deer that people report seeing, which are they'll, they'll see a deer and then there's just something off about it. Like we, like how with the uncanny Valley, we can recognize when something's not quite human. Yeah. Um, it's the same thing with a lot of animals with deer, especially because deer is just something that we're so used to seeing that it'll be like, instead of being kind of located on the sides of the head, the deer will have its eyes in the front, which is uh, how predators are. Yeah. Um, so a- animals that hunt for other animals have their eyes in the front of their face um, so that they can see about 120 degrees in front of them um, and, and focus. And then there will be other things like the antlers will face the wrong direction or it will appear to have sharp teeth or too many eyes or the, the limbs will be bent in a strange way. Or, for example, uh, like like the, uh, the other guys experience recounted, you'll have uh, you know, deer that are walking on their hind legs. And deer can absolutely stand on their hind yeah. legs. Yeah, so that's what we were talking. Walking on their yeah. hind legs on yeah. the other hand. <laughs> that's not. So that's that's the not deer phenomenon. And then uh, the, the other one that kind of usually gets tied into this triangle of stuff that's often mistaken for one another uh, is the, the skinwalker. And yeah. skinwalkers are... Uh, the most sentient of the three you're talking about human human beings shamans medicine men in navajo culture who uh, will don the pelt of a predator which in navajo culture to my understanding um you're allowed to wear the pelt of a peaceful animal so a, a goat a buffalo um a, a deer you could do that but you can't put on the pelt of a coyote um so through a process that includes uh cannibalism black magic and wearing the pelt of a predatory animal the skinwalker can transform into a uh near rendering of that animal often there will be something off that you can tell about it but uh one of the famous instances is uh skinwalker ranch there's this um when when the sherman family got there the first day they reported that uh a very large wolf um that appeared to be like you know almost like rotting in some places jumped out of the trees and was gnawing on one of their calves and not like their leg like one of their cattle um yeah and they they shot it they hit it with axes they tried everything they could and they couldn't get it off and eventually just loped off into the woods and the next day they found um a piece of, of flesh that they had shot or hacked off from the wolf that looked like it had been rotting for days not just overnight so um there's yeah, so that's where the skinwalker stuff comes in. So these are like, there's this kind of this triangle of Native American uh, or or rural American um, folk monsters that get often confused for one another, but altogether have this kind of, this very distinctly American um, mythos to them that they're, yeah. they're cannibalistic, they are shapeshifters or mimickers to an extent. Um, and I, it's my opinion that all of that comes from probably the same one legend, although the skinwalker thing might be its own thing. Um, but the idea of, you know, shape-shifting mimics that hunt human beings with slight variations in what the legend is in its specifics throughout the continent, um, that, that I think we're looking at something that it's just, it's too consistent to be ignored across mm-hmm. cultures that are not consistent. Like uh, a lot of the time, um, especially when politics gets involved, we like to look at Native Americans as a monolith, as a single culture. Uh, that's not accurate. That's like looking at the Irish, the English, the Germans, and the Poles and saying, oh, well, they're all the same thing. They're, they're not. 
Um, they've all got their own different languages, legends, religions, all these things. And that's how, that's how Native American culture was before we got here and yeah. to a, lo- a long extent after we got here. So I think that what kind of lends so much credence to this is that all of these cultures have stories like this. So it has to have come from somewhere, right? <laughs> no, I, I definitely agree with the whole situation. And uh, I'm glad you brought up Skin Rock, Skinwalker Ranch because we'll get to that in a second. Um, because Skinwalker Ranch is a lot more than just skinwalkers. Oh, yeah. It's th- that that place is crazy. It's it's a whole nexus of fucky-wucky. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, before we get there, do, do, are you aware with uh, about the, the FDR? Uh, the, uh, Roosevelt knew about, supposedly, there's a theory that goes on that Roosevelt knew about everything that goes on in the national parks. And that which Roosevelt Franklin. Oh, I, I didn't know the extent to which FDR was involved. Um, because he, apparently, Teddy Roosevelt, Teddy Roosevelt, on the other hand, yeah, I know, I know, founded the Forest Service. Like, I think I absolutely, and he was a believer. Sorry, no, no, you're, you're right about it. it was, that, you, that who you're thinking, Teddy Roosevelt, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I 100% think that, yeah, so Teddy knew something was out there. He probably knew something was out there, and he decided to not do anything about it. Because if he were to close down the entire national parks, nobody can go. It's a restricted area. People will start asking too many questions. Exactly. So almost losing a couple hundred people every couple of years is mm-hmm. to him was a trade-off that would have to come with it. Because they could easily sweep under the rug, like oh, bears, mountain lions, people just walk off trails. Like exactly really about it. But it's too organized the way these people are disappearing. It's almost like like I don't know how to explain it. It's like these. It's the same way like child predators that kids in mm-hmm. cities like that's what we're seeing but in nature park, nature parks which is the same way i'm terrified like i could watch any scary movie in the world but the second mm-hmm. like the blair witch or something you know, yeah i freak out yeah I, and and on top of that i mean like there's there's circumstances like uh god what was his name um i feel like it was casey something uh it was the the serial killer from Yosemite back in the late nineties. Uh, yeah, I know there was, yeah, there was a serial killer who would abduct women and do horrible things to them and then dump their bodies. Uh, and you know, that all happened near the, the bodies were disposed of in the park. Um, Casey Stainer. Yeah. So on, on top of like all the supernatural stuff, you've also got the, the fact that, you know, serial killers are involved. Like you've got Casey Stainer, Ted Bundy, like, uh, I don't think John Wayne Gacy was involved with the parks, but like it's, they will use these parks. Uh, I don't think Jeffrey Dahmer was involved with that. No, Dahmer, Dahmer was more of an urban. Yeah, he was within the city. He would just take dudes into his house and kill them. Um, nice. <laughs> I, was, I showed her the movie a couple of weeks ago. It was really, really good. Yeah, yeah it was a great movie. Uh, I, I think uh, Zach Efron did a little too, or not, sorry, I'm thinking Ross of a Ted Lynch. Bundy movie. I'm, yeah, yeah, Ross Lynch. He did a, yeah. It was too good. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It, it was the same thing with the Ted Bundy movie. Like, they, yeah. they did too good a job of making these yeah. people seem likable. I'm like, it was a little okay. <laughs> like for a little while, I'm watching, yeah, while I was watching the Ted Bundy one, I remember being like, ah, I mean, maybe he wasn't so bad. And then I'm like, wait a second. <laughs> like, hold on. <laughs> yeah. But um, also, the, in the national parks, there's a bunch of crazy shit that happens aside from all the Native American shit. It was like, oh yeah, occultists. That yep, that's where they. There's so much Satanists and like Satan, mm-hmm. or like people just trying to worship and harness this evil energy over there. And like, um, I know Yosemite is a huge place for that. A huge yeah. gathering of, of of occultists. 
I know Yellowstone is probably the biggest one mm-hmm. and uh, just, just national parks in general. So you, you got weird shit everywhere. Uh, a weird yep. concoction of every native myth, man-made myth, fucking demons and shit, which yeah. it's fucking creepy, bro. I, I think it ties in a lot to, there is, again, um, you know, uh, it, have you ever watched the show Ancient Aliens? Yeah. It is the best example of people approaching the point and then completely missing it that I've ever seen to the point where I think it almost has to be deliberate. It is. It's just straight. Like, the, like the people who are making the show, they, they'll get so close to making the point and then they just like go completely off in the wrong direction and every time i watch i'm like oh come on guys um You're right there you were right there yeah i'm just like ah, you almost had it like <laughs> but uh, i was watching it today because i was i was watching their episode on hollow earth i was trying to kind of like you know refresh my memory on all that stuff and i'm sitting there and i'm looking at it, and i'm like you know and they bring up uh, like the the Celtic, uh, the the Isle of Avalon, um, the uh, which is uh, you know part of the the Irish mythology that off to the west there were a series of islands, the Isle of Youth, the Isle of Joy, the Isle of Plenty um, that you could travel to, but in order to do so you had to kind of exit time and this whole thing. And it's like if you look at that, and then you look at uh, for example the, the fairy mounds in in Ireland, and then um, you know, things like Gobekli Tepe and how it springs up in the middle of nowhere for no discernible reason. Um, and then the stories of staircases in the woods and the national parks, which uh, some of that is definitely creepypasta. But I, I looked into it and there were multiple news stations that went and did investigations and they were like, oh, my God, there actually are staircases out here. Yeah. Um, you know, uh, basically worldwide, you have cultures that believe that there are portals throughout the world that you can enter and come out somewhere else um impossibly far away and that is one of the only ways that you can explain some of these missing 401 cases where uh kids will go missing and then uh i'm trying to remember the exact names here but they're just not coming to mind uh one of the cases was a two-year-old child who went missing was not equipped to be out in the cold but uh he went missing overnight in the winter and they found him 20 hours later 12 miles away that's crazy. And completely impossible. Yeah. There, there is abs. And he, of course, was, he was two. He had no memory of it. Um, he didn't know what happened to him. But uh, th- literally the only way that I can think of that happening is if you somehow managed to fall out of, you know, the dimension we're in and pop back in 20 hours later. Because when you consider it, he, he was unharmed. Like yeah. he wasn't, he didn't freeze to death despite it being freezing cold. So, you know, how did, how did he pop out 12 hours later, 20 or 20 hours later, 12 miles away? There's no rational explanation. There, there is no accepted scientific explanation for how things like that happen. And a lot of the time people are too quick to jump in and say, you know, oh, well, since, you know, there's no rational explanation. So it must be, there must be a rational explanation instead of looking at it and going, okay, well, maybe there is a supernatural explanation for it. Yeah. Um, which, you know, the, the, the further science goes, and this is one of the things I find fascinating, uh, you know, being a, a, a religious scholar, um, you know, and also having, having spent the time researching history and everything like that, that uh, I'll see stuff come out 
um, in, in scientific journals all the time. And it's like, okay, if you read, you know, Genesis, <laughs> we knew that 6,000 years ago, like you're just catching up now. Yeah. Um, so it's, it's very odd that people are so hesitant to look into, um, you know, supernatural explanations for things, especially because the term supernatural does not imply um, magic yeah. or ghosts. What, it, what supernatural means as a term is that it's something that cannot be described by natural science. It's funny because they don't, they don't accept it. And if you try to bring it up, they immediately label you as crazy. Oh, yeah. In the court of law, they make you swear an oath to God. Yeah. So it's it, kind of ironic. It's like you make you, oh. make you swear, swear an oath, but yet. So I, I was I recently watched Conjuring 3, which mm-hmm. is my favorite line of horror movies. Not because they're scary. They're just, oh, yeah, they're awesome. I just love Adam Lorraine. They're, they're just they're well written. Yes. Yeah, yeah. The last one was probably the weakest one out of the three. But regardless, there was a line in that movie that made so much sense. It's like if the court accepts God, it should also accept the devil. Yeah. So if this guy is coming in and claiming that he didn't kill this person because he was possessed, there should be a, a genuine investigation. Yep. And to completely like uh, rule it out is contradicting your own like laws. Mm-hmm. And a lot of, uh, you know, a lot of with, with stuff like that, with things that present as supernatural often, um, you know, there's uh, one of the, one of my favorite theories uh, is that, and when I first heard it, it bugged me a lot. Um, I didn't like it because what it was, uh, it was an article suggesting like, you know, a group of Jewish scholars have posited that the bush that Moses was talking to was an acacia bush, the, the burning bush. Um, acacia is rich in DMT. So this burning acacia bush may have been producing ungodly amounts of DMT and that when Moses was speaking to God, he was actually just having this massive DMT trip. And the, my problem with it was that it stopped there and it went and said, oh, well, he was just high. But then there's the fact that our bodies naturally produce DMT. So we, Very not, small amounts. Yeah. But you get an overflow of DMT when you die. That's what they say. Yes, the, there's that as well. Yeah. Um, so the, the, the step after that, the one that I took was, what if, yes, we'll accept that Moses was speaking to a burning acacia bush. So he was out of his mind high off DMT. But what if the reason we naturally produce DMT is because that is the biological vector God put into human bodies so that we could communicate with him? It's funny you say that because I was reading an interview the other day. I forgot which scientists uh, that were coming out. This was about all this UFO shit that they say the government um, tries to hide. But essentially, it was a scientist that claims that DMT is used as a portal to talk to fourth dimensional beings. Mm-hmm. that give us information to further our evolution mm-hmm. That's what they're talking about so they're saying that the government has and the way he proves it was that essentially the military uses them these fourth dimensional beings for scientific evolution and they would go on these trips because they say a five minute dmt trip for us is five minutes but for whoever's tripping out it's like it yeah it's, it's long like a lot longer 
Yeah. So they would go out and come back with formulas or come back with schematics or come back with uh, scientific theories mm -hmm. that would that they had no clue of before. They never studied yep. that. And then they would give the government these theories and schematics and ideas and boom, next mm -hmm. type of evolution. Suddenly there's a whole bunch of science that wasn't there before. Exactly. That we um, have no idea how to get to. Yeah. And there's, there's tons and tons of examples of things just like that throughout history. Uh, you know, if you look at, uh, at the, the prophets of Old Testament Judaism, um, I guarantee that if you were able to go back and autopsy their brains, you would find that they had exceptionally high levels of DMT production. Um, and the, you know, the, uh, who was it? it was Thomas Paine who said that uh, the, the field of science is the, basically the study of how God's creation works. Um, so whether you're a Judeo-Christian creationist or a, um, you know, one, one of the, one of the pagan religions or one of the Eastern religions, no matter what you are, you know, if you believe that the universe was created on purpose by some sort of divine being, um, you know, what you're looking for now, what, what religion is finally starting to come around to in a lot of ways, rather than fighting science is to look at science and say, all right, well, how can, how can these things be described? You know, how, how can we fit this in? in a way that makes sense. Because if you look at it, like go and look at uh, Genesis. You have the, the first seven days God creates the, the universe. Um, he creates, the, the first day happens before the earth and sun are both created. So just based off that alone, if, if you're going to keep it within Judeo-Christian belief, uh, as a as a Christian, you have to accept that day in that sense must be a metaphorical term because you can't have a physical day at that point. So yeah. day must be a metaphorical term. If day is a metaphorical term in that sense, then it's probably describing more of a, a time boundary. So the beginning to the end of this section of creation. Therefore, the earth being 4.6 billion years old is entirely plausible within Christianity because that first day could have been billions of years. Um but if God had said to Moses, who is the author of Genesis, um, traditionally, uh, if God had said to Moses, oh, well, uh, I created the universe 13.8 billion years ago, and then it took me another 9 billion years to correctly form the gravitational fields that bind all matter together and hold them in place so that I could spark life on the planet Earth and create you just imagine being a priest in the desert 3,000 years ago three and a half thousand years ago and someone saying that that list of words to you you'd have absolutely no idea what any of it meant it's the same it's the same thing as if you drop an iphone in uh victorian era england it, it wouldn't it would mean nothing to them it, they, they, they would get zero scientific evolution or advancement from that because they would exactly have, they would use it they would learn how to turn it on and turn it off and then the second one's out of battery they would have no idea what to do with it no clue how to recharge it anything so it makes a lot more off. sense yeah it makes a lot more sense if you are if you are the creator whether you believe that that's god or that we're a simulation it makes more sense for the creator to program things in um, and then give an explanation that is digestible. So rather than saying 
13.8 billion years ago, I created the universe and then I had to wait for gravity to actually get all put together. And then I had to spark microbes in the water. And, you know, then, then I had to make sure the temperature rose to the proper points so that uh, life could evolve and all that. Instead of saying that you say, well, on the first day, in the beginning, there was nothing. And then I said, let there be light. That's digestible. You know, I, uh, on the third or third or fourth day, I think he says he creates all the uh, all the fish of the sea and all the beasts of the air. That makes a lot more sense to somebody living in the you know late Bronze Age than to say. So what I did then is I created these little microbes out of amino acids and I put them at the bottom of the ocean near geothermal vents. And over time, they adapted to be multicellular and to absorb energy from the sun in order to create their own energy. And then through ATP processing, they actually, like, you see where I'm going with this. Yeah. Um, if you said all that to the author of Genesis, they're going to be like, I have no idea what that means. Um and, and it, it works for almost every single step of Genesis to look at it and be like, okay, so this is, this is a metaphor. Um, it's literal in, in the sense that this is the, the order in which things happened, but it's a metaphor in terms of the amount of time, in terms of you know, how, how much of this was essentially programming via uh, you know, the atomic level versus a snap of a finger and you have a bird. Like that's... It's very unlikely for me as a modern Christian to look at Genesis with a truly critical lens and say, okay, yeah, I believe that God just snapped birds into existence. Yeah. Um, if, you, if you stick to the rigid theory of, oh, well, the earth was created in six days, it's completely impossible. Um, unless you have a truly omnipotent God who is just playing around with things. And I think that it's very unlikely that an omnipotent God an omniscient God would simply just play around with things and see how it went. Um, Let me ask you, speaking of that. So have you heard the, the, uh, the, the heavy stone? Um, what's it called? What, what's it called? We have a question that has no answer. Paradox. Yeah. So have you heard of the heavy stone paradox where like if God can't create a stone that he can't lift then he can't be all powerful, but if he can't mm -hmm. create a stone, he can't lift then he can't be all. Uh, oh. Yeah, I know. I know what you're talking about. Yeah, yeah. that that's interesting to to think about, especially when talking about all this. And it does make sense in the way you're setting it up where like six days rested on the seventh. Those six days could have been billions and billions of years. Mm -hmm. That's the best way to describe it to somebody so they don't essentially have a aneurysm right yeah so they don't completely break down <laughs> yeah it makes sense but let me ask you this then what about other religions worshiping many gods because what i find interesting is well i've got an answer for that one too <laughs> can't wait to listen. but what i find interesting is from christian let's, let's bring up demons christian demons and then we'll go to buddhist demons and then we'll go to um I forgot what the Japanese religion is called, so I don't want to... Shinto. 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 They're demons. They all resemble the same characteristics, and they all have the same, like, they all do the same things. Mm -hmm. And they all agree that there are different versions of them. Yeah. So there are similarities between religions to point at 
a single greater religion. Mm -hmm. What I find interesting is how how do we get these similarities yet get differentials between? So like, why did God essentially come down to Moses in Jerusalem? It was uh, you they would have been in the Sinai Desert. In the Sinai Desert, did, yeah. he, did he go to somebody else in in Japan? Did he go to a Native American in modern day New Mexico? Did he? Go to the Eskimos? Like how, how yeah, it's it's a very valid question. Yeah. Um and it, it you know if you look at it from a Judeo-Christian perspective, it's you know, oh well, the Jews were God's chosen people. It's that simple. It's end of story, it's done. Um, if you look at it from a, a higher perspective, uh, I think that I, I think that you then need to go back to um and here's where this circles back around to actually, believe it or not, I'm gonna circle back around to the hollow earth. Uh, <laughs> I'm going to do that. Uh, so human society, as we know it, um, is about 10,000 years old. If you go from the most basic villages, you know, of the, the most basic steady state villages. Yeah. yeah. So, you know, about 10,000 years ago, we figure out agriculture um, and then cities start to pop up within the next 5,000 years. Uh, the first instances of the written word are about 5,000, four and a half thousand years ago. Um, and then there's kind of this explosion in the Bronze Age as just things go absolutely nuts. And then there's the Bronze Age collapse and things to a large extent have to start over. But humanity in that spot in the Fertile Crescent, spontaneously developed agriculture um, in a way that nobody else in the world did for several thousand more years. And yeah, the Fertile Crescent was fertile. You know, maybe, maybe that had something to do with it. But uh, it took the, the Chinese an extra couple thousand years to figure it out. It took Europeans a lot longer to figure it out. Um, you know, Europeans were hunter gatherers until, you know, five, 6,000 years ago. Uh, so, you know, a couple thousand years behind. So how is think, it? Are, are you thinking that there was some sort of divine intervention to all those, um, regions and they didn't accept it? I'm, I'm thinking that there was a, there was a civilization before the flood, okay. which the, the, the flood is present. It, the flood is a ubiquitous story throughout human society every culture on earth has some sort of flood myth literally all of them um and there is mounting evidence that there was in fact a severe glacial melting event between 12,800 and 11,600 years ago and uh that 11,600 years ago date is interesting because that is the end of the younger Dryas period it is when uh the the melt would have been completing when the ocean levels would have been rising, when the glaciers would have been receding. And it's also the exact to the century date that Plato in the 400s said that Atlantis sank. So take everything else Plato said about Atlantis and just shove it because it's bullshit. <laughs> it's wrong. It's, it is historically wrong. Take what he says about Atlantis and look at it in the context of what we are just now discovering through modern geology. 
in terms of, you know, a possible comet impact in terms of the younger Dryas period between the Pleistocene and the Holocene. Um, and the fact that there, there could have been a civilization before the one we have now. And that if you look at all of these examples of uh, cultures that have myths about people using portals to travel great distances across the earth by going underground and then coming out somewhere else. And you combine that with Atlantis sinking 11,600 years ago. So you get younger Dryas period, Atlantis sinks, supposedly. The same time that Atlantis sinks, Gobekli Tepe pops up thousands of miles away. Um, it has megalithic architecture. It has a massive site. It has perfectly north-south aligned buildings. Um, and then it, it, it is, the site is almost a perfect circle. The, the hill that Gobekli Tepe has been discovered under is almost a perfect circle. Um, it, it appears, in my opinion, in the opinion of some other people, uh, to have been filled in deliberately as if they were trying to create a time capsule of some sort. And it predates agriculture in the region by 1500 years. So without massive agriculture or up to 1500 years, without uh, a labor surplus, they were able to construct megalithic architecture to align buildings north to south to um, you know, make these very intricate carvings that are not really connected to any other civilization in the region. And then agriculture springs up around it after Gobekli Tepe is built. To me, what that looks like is, and then combine that with the flood story. Yeah. What that looks like to me is before the, the massive global glacial melt that happened during the Younger Dryas, there was some sort of advanced civilization. Use advanced how you will. Um, the flood well, I, happened. I believe, I believe in there were, I don't even say equally advanced civilizations yeah. to us now in the past. Yeah. That, yes. Yeah. So, yeah. so take that. Um, flood happens. Uh, Gebekli Tepe pops up. Agriculture pops up around Gebekli Tepe. Kickstarts the agricultural revolution in the Fertile Crescent. Uh, 5,000 years later, you have the Epic of Gilgamesh written, which discusses uh, some godlike beings, um, which discusses a man who lives across the Sea of Death named Utnapishtim, who has everlasting life. Uh, and this is all happening in Mesopotamia. If you put all of it, if you take each of those pieces apart and you look at them, they make no sense. But if you put the puzzle together, there's a pretty coherent story that forms there. Yeah. I, I don't think I'm crazy to, to suggest that. Um, and the idea in my head would be that uh, the people of Atlantis had some sort of technology, some sort of understanding of perhaps something that was built into the earth where they could go through a gate somewhere underground and pop up elsewhere on earth. And that's how the survivors of Atlantis founded Gobekli Tepe and kickstarted the agriculture revolution. But they probably didn't have the numbers and the, uh, the population around them was probably not advanced enough to carry on after they died out, whatever they were doing. So realizing that they covered up Gobekli Tepe as a time capsule and died off. And then you get another dark age, so on and so forth. 
And what makes that interesting is that you get the, the hollow earth theory, you get lots of cultures who talk about how you can go underground to access other realms. Um, you get specifically some of the most well-documented is with the Celtic other worlds. Um, and I have a YouTube video on this, but uh, the Irish other world, the way it works is um, you can enter through a seed or a she, depending on which, um, depending on which uh, <clears throat> version of Irish you're using, whether you're using old Irish or modern Irish, uh, seed being the old Irish, she being the, the modern Irish. Um, so you enter through a fairy mound. This is where Banshee comes from, by the way, is woman of the fairy mound. Um, so mailing lady. Yeah, exactly. Uh, who are heralds of, of death. Um, so in Irish mythology, you can enter a sheath and you can go into the other world. And in Irish, it's more of like a pocket dimension. Yeah. Um, you can go into this, you can go into the other world and it's not necessarily one big other world. It's many different little pocket dimensions. Um, and you can come out elsewhere, um, in the Welsh other world, which is Anavan, um, you can, again, they actually borrow the word seethe in Welsh from Irish and you can enter Anavan and, uh, which might be, uh, cognate with Avalon and you can enter that. And that is more of a open parallel universe type other world. So, you know, hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of years ago, we're getting these stories in the Middle Ages from Christians about stories of being able to enter another dimension. So you get that in a completely different part of the world. That's, that's not Mesopotamia. Um, and again, my, my area of expertise is, is specifically uh, medieval Europe, but there, I know that there are similar cases in uh, the Amazon in Central America, in North America, in East Asia, in India, in Africa, of these similar stories of people being able to enter the earth, go into an under earth other world and come out somewhere else. Um, so with, so that's where the hollow earth thing comes from. What's your personal belief on that? Oh, I think there's absolutely something there. We just haven't figured out how to use it yet. Now, do you think it's physical to the point where if we actually dig a hole deep enough, we'll get there? Or no. do you think it's metaphysical? I think it's metaphysical. Yeah, I, I think I, it is multidimensional. I think I think for a fact because um, they just announced last year that the Earth really isn't how we got taught in school. It's not the crust, <laughs> the mantle, or this, 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 the core. There is a core. It is that hot, but it's more like tunnels of lava that yeah. circulate the Earth in like a weird. So there are massive hollow pits. I don't know if they're not country massive, mm -hmm. but I agree with what you're saying with, I believe, so I personally believe the theory that the North and the South Pole are an entrance. And, but I don't believe that it's a physical entrance to the point where you literally fly into the center mm -hmm. of the earth and exactly. boom, you're in some alien dinosaur, UFOs, <laughs> giants, all this lush green wind. But I do believe there is another dimension. I definitely believe in another dimension. There's been cases of a dude. I saw his video uh, and he recorded it, which was crazy. He woke up at home. Mm -hmm. It was like, he doesn't know why he woke up so early. He said it was four in the morning and there was light outside. He didn't know why there was light outside. Mm -hmm. He walks out. He sees, he sees a black cat. And he remembers the black cat vividly. And he goes back inside. And for whatever reason, he wants to go back out outside. The, the cat's gone. But it's like eight hours have passed. Mm -hmm. 
And he checks the time and it's still four in the morning, but the entire environment is different. Yep. And he remembers experiencing that and, and, and claiming that he recorded himself entering and re-entering his dimension, like leaving yep. him entering his dimension. So I definitely believe there's something there. And I also believe in the great reset, which is they say the world was going to end in 2012, but it didn't. Some people say it did. And mm. that's where the certain Man- thing. That's where the Mandela effect essentially comes from. Because like Chick-fil-A having never having had a K or yeah. uh, Pikachu having the black stripe at the end of his tail, never mm. been there. Um, there's plenty of other my girlfriends like Berenstein Bears, Bears versus Berenstein Bears. Yep. <laughs> Yep, it's Stein, not Steen, and then there's a ton. There's 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 countless ones of them. So it's 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 interesting to think about that. Maybe when the world ended, in order for a divine creator to ensure our our salvation, we just got shifted into a a different reality. Yeah, that's that's one of the ones that I have no idea how to approach it from an academic standpoint. (laughs) There's no way to you can't explain the Mandela effect. You just can't. No, you can't. Weird because it's. The thing that's so weird about the Mandela effect that it's not a single person. Everybody, it's everybody experiencing it. It's not, it's not even that some people, oh, I remember it. No, nobody remembers it. Nobody remembers the, the K at Chick-fil-A. Nobody remembers Pikachu. Not had, I, I swear to God, Pikachu oh, had his... There's a, an emoji had, that like, everybody like, knew it existed. The robber emoji. That, yes. that, oh, yeah. Yeah. Wait, are you telling me that wasn't... No, the robber emoji never existed. Oh, you're kidding. Look at your phone right now. <laughs> my phone's uh, my camera. But uh, uh, okay. <laughs> yeah, when you get off, type type proper emoji. And there's other emojis. And it's just like, and <laughs> fuck the emojis. Pikachu had a black stripe at the end of his tail. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Pikachu had a black stripe. And it's just so hard to rationalize why we all experience the same effect. And you can't. Like, I don't no, want to be like, oh, it's for sure. We got shipped into the reality the world ended in 2012 all this bullshit i don't think the world ended i think there was a massive change that we just physically either didn't see or we can't remember who knows yeah, maybe t- we exploded maybe we all died and we're just in a diff we got brought back in some time travel shit and put back in a new reality in a different world trillions of miles away that has the exact same everything and that's just why we're remembering everything the way it is i don't know yeah i mean that definitely plays more into like simulation theory. Yeah, uh, I don't like where simulation theory. I, I don't either, but yeah. it, it that is one of the things that the simulation theory could explain is you know if if there was a bug in if there was a glitch in the system um in you know 2012 and they reset the world but some of the data files were corrupted like then you can kind of explain it. Um I don't but uh the, the, honestly the stuff that CERN is doing uh makes me uncomfortable. <laughs> uh some of the you know the the large hydron collider and all that and so, like it, 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 yeah it makes me wonder you know how how much do we actually understand about what we're playing with um and i'm in no way anti-science i just think that like that stuff like that yeah with with the uh like when they were testing the atomic bomb they got like halfway through the process of building it before fdr was like wait 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 is it possible this is going to start a chain reaction that scorches the entire earth and they had to then go and actually do the calculations because they didn't know what they came back with was like theoretically three miles of the earth yeah it would have to you would have to have enough of the gases from a huge portion of the earth concentrated in one place to then sustain the reaction basically they came up with the idea that there's there's no real chance that you could cook the earth with a nuclear bomb but 
you know, the fact that they got halfway through the process before they were like, hang on a second, we should, te- we should, we should do the math here. Yeah. Like that, that bothers me. Um, especially cause no, but we're scientists, CERN. CERN, CERN's creeping me out too. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, I just, it, it bothers me that any one group of people can have that much license to just screw around with physics. Um, you know, I would like to see a lot more, uh, you know, third-party journalism about it and people being allowed in the room to verify everything that's going on who aren't bought and paid for by a government or by CERN itself. Like, I, I would like to see some of that. Um, this is because I they're comic booky, but CERN could easily just erase the world and we wouldn't even know. Like, we would just die. Boom, everybody died. <laughs> Because they came up with a, a bomb but accidentally, yeah. a hydron collider was way more powerful than we expected, and it just obliterated us in a split second. Yeah, it's 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 all possible. Einstein had theorized a, a nuclear device that could create a black hole. Like, there's there's so much that is overtly questionable about you know should we be playing around with these things? Are we reaching forces that we don't understand? Um, you know, it's it's very quite. I don't like it. <laughs> I'm, I'm concerned. Yeah. Um, Unfortunately, yeah, you and you and I will probably never ever know the reason no. or what's going on behind it. But yeah, but then then you toss up on top of it like uh, the Bohemian the Bohemian Club and Bohemian Grove. Um, it's you know, and, and Bilderberg and, and yeah. Davos and all those things. But uh, Bohemian Club is probably one of the ones I find most interesting because it's the most secretive. Um, and also because it's Republicans. Um, yeah. It's almost entirely Republicans, which, you know, Bilderberg is people from all over the world. You get Republicans, Democrats, you know, socialists, whatever from Europe. Um, you know, with, with Bohemian Grove, it's almost entirely Republicans. Um, and I'm not saying that as a slight against Republicans at all. I'm just saying that like their group, it's something it, it, it's created. it's a little odd that all of them are Republicans, especially yeah. when it was started by guys like Mark Twain mm-hmm. to be this, you know, classically liberal like place for people to go and do bohemian art activities. Uh, dark. Yeah, and it turned into this very weird, dark thing. Even, you know, Nixon, who was a member of it, even said like, you know, it's it's basically a, a cult. Um, you know, if you look at the the spectacle they put on for new members, um, you know, Alex Jones being able to infiltrate it. Uh, what was the other guy's name? Philip, Philip or Paul Weiss, I think was his name, was the first one to do it. What do they do with um, the members? So basically they, what happens at Bohemian, so Bohemian Grove, for those who don't know, is a 2,700 acre, 4.2 square mile um, property in California in the Redwood Forest. And it is basically the site of a two week long festival for the approximately 2,000 members of Bohemian, the Bohemian, bleh, the Bohemian Club every July, where the one of the opening ceremonies is this festival, not festival, so to speak, but uh, is this um, ritual where they have a high priest and he has this whole get up and then they burn an effigy of a child in front of a giant stone owl. Um, and, and I say all this, like, I, I'm not saying this to sensationalize anything, like I'm a Freemason. Um, the whole costumes thing, a lot of that's just like ancient, you know, tradition and whatever. It doesn't necessarily mean that, 
you know, just because people are wearing costumes and having titles like high priest doesn't necessarily mean that we are dealing with as a pagan ritual. For example, uh, the and this is public knowledge, but the the leader of any individual Freemason lodge is referred to as the worshipful master. Um, it's not it, nobody's worshiping him. It's just kind of the the terminology that's used. But with uh, the Bohemian Club, they have this what is very much it goes much further than any like Freemason kind of deal I've seen any like odd fellows, uh, any Knights of Columbus stuff, to the point where they are essentially acting out a pagan sacrifice ritual to uh, to an unnamed um, god. And they're sacrificing care is the name of the individual. And it's a, a child effigy. And, you know, this is, I'm, I'm not just spewing bullshit here. Alex Jones actually got in and this is before Alex Jones was Alex Jones. And he was kind of Alex Jones back then, but he wasn't like 2016 Alex Jones. Um, here, and, you know, just a quick aside, my opinion of Alex Jones is he is a man who has seen so much shit and so much of it was real that it has kind of fragmented that guy's mind. Yeah. Um, and that he's been unable to completely deal with it. And that uh, what you're seeing is not necessarily somebody who is a liar, but somebody who has kind of been broken by the things he's experienced. I agree. I also um, think he's just a, yeah, the same thing Trump has where he, he might not mean it the way he means it, but sometimes he just doesn't know how to get his point across. Yeah. And he'll just keep going. And that's why, that's why if you go and you watch uh if you watch him when he's on Joe Rogan's show yeah. or if you watch him when he's on Tim Pool's show and they kind of have like in the one Joe Rogan has Tim Dillon there uh, and he has Eddie Bravo for one of them. And then uh, Tim Pool has Michael Malice there to kind of keep Alex Jones on track. Yeah. He'd be like, focus. Yeah. Calm down. Going off. Yeah, yeah. Calm down. Um, and that's, that's when you get, that's when you get this coherent Alex Jones where you're actually like, wait, he's right like you go and you look at it and you're like wait no he's right about bohemian grove and if you look at the actual like documents and artifacts that we have from bohemian grove he's right um there have been other journalists other people who've infiltrated it and they're like their stories corroborate his um and what's weird about it is how many influential people are there and the the insane cost of the initiation fee the insane cost of the uh, the membership fees. How much is it? Uh, the initiation fee in 2019 was uh, $25,000. Okay. For reference, when I joined the Freemasons, my initiation fee, which included my first year's dues, was $367. Oh. Um, so. But also the Bohemian Grove, the Bohemian Club is the elite. Yeah, it's entirely elites. Um, yeah. And and what's weird about it is you get certain people who are there, like uh, who who stay for like the first couple nights and drink and party and whatever. And it, what it seems to be is that the longer you stay there, the more things tend to get weird. Um, and you know, there's a. Uh, but I, I try not to go off anything that there's not distinct evidence for. Like uh, Alex Jones says that what he witnessed and what he has on film was that ritual the first night. Um, Nixon was on on tape saying that it was the uh to 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 not offend anyone it was the the gayest shit he's ever seen um were essentially his words uh yet philip weiss who said that it was like very strange you know just men behaving in completely hedonistic ways and uh urinating all over the place and like very strange uh 
and that some of the stuff that they witnessed people talk about. And if you get your hands on these brochures and these pamphlets of what the talks are about, uh, people, it, it basically is is clear from this that the elites who are a part of this, and again, this is, you know, th- this is not like me ragging on like the Democrats. This is the Republicans. Um, because it's it's been in vogue lately to be like, oh, the Democrats are the global elite party and they're trying to do this and trying to do that. Like, it's it's just the global elite. Um, I'm, I hate to tell you they're on both sides. <laughs> um, yeah. Uh, like it, when it comes to politics, like you're there, there's bad people on both sides. And the sad part is the bad people on both sides are working together. Um, yeah. So they seem to know things like uh, one of the talks has to do it's from, I think, 1997 has to do with uh, the basically what happened on 9-11. And they were like, do the terrorists expect this to happen? Um, and then 9-11 happens, and it seems that they knew about it four years before it happened. Um, then there's uh, talks from a little over a decade ago about how uh, fake news is going to become the next big uh, threat to democracy. And sure enough, five, six years later, you've got fake news all over the media. Um, yeah, so it, it becomes obvious when you look at the dates of these talks and the people giving the talks to the other members of uh the the bohemian club that they're ahead by a few years they they know what's going to happen and it seems like they're setting it up um and what what a lot of people will do is they'll be like oh well how you know obviously if there were just a cabal of people running the world um, you would know about it. Like, there's no way that you could keep a conspiracy theory like that going. And the truth of the matter is, like, when you've got enough money and enough power and you have control of the media, as they do, because some of the people who are in the Bohemian Club are like the heads of Time Warner, yeah. um, when you can control the information that gets out, uh, you can keep a conspiracy like that going. Um, and I... Uh, well, I can't verify it myself, but Alex Jones was saying that uh, one of the things that goes on there is that they will have lots of uh, gay sex and use that then to say, you know, if you ever tell, then we'll, you know, we'll leak that you had gay sex at the Bohemian Grove. Um, so they're used, basically they'll force straight men to do that as part of, you know, forcing them to keep their secret, which I can tell you coming from you know, as, as a Freemason is not something we do. Um, everyone talks about how, uh, how secret the Freemasons are. And, you know, if you speak out against the Freemasons, you'll disappear, except you don't, nobody ever go. One person historically has gone missing in relation with the Freemasons. Um, and it was William Morgan. And it's very likely that it was the anti-Masons who killed him to frame the Freemasons. Um, but you know, it, it It's and Skull and Bone Society does some of the same stuff as uh, as Bohemian Club, but um, it's it's very strange. It seems that there was the earliest version of Bohemian Club when it was first initiated, in, I think 1872, was a uh, a place for people to go, basically do artistic stuff and live free outside of the uh, conservative social norms of the time. And then at some point in the 1900s, the Republican Party seems to have basically bought it. And then turned it into a uh, a getaway spot for 
weird yeah for like pseudo pagan rituals like and i don't know i i don't know if the people that are there are participating in it just because it's fun i or if it's like because they actually believe it um i'm hesitant to call anything you know satanic or luciferian uh without proof that those people are worshiping the devil i think there are certain examples where you get like pictures of i think it was jacob rothschild standing uh in front of a picture of uh the painting um satan with his legions looking very pleased with himself like maybe he just appreciates art but no Uh, i've seen (laughs) examples like Lil uzi yeah Uzi had a really scary interview i don't know if you saw it do you know um you know the guy narwadis narwadis he's like this funny interviewer who knows everything about everybody and it out. Like, <laughs> how do you know but um he interviews everyone he interviews like all the, like, the rappers and mm-hmm. he was interviewing little uzi and he pulls out a poster and it's like a poster of some album not an album cover the poster of some like rolling loud type thing but mm-hmm. the graphic on it was the devil and mm-hmm. little uzi grabs the poster and he's like you see this right here? Uh, I'm going to leave this earth when I'm 27 for this man right here. Mm-hmm. And he's 26 right now. Oh, I saw a meme about that, and I totally did not understand what it was yeah. about. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So he said that. Oh, is he? Look it up. Is he 26? I think he's... He's 26. He's about to turn 27. So if he does die, that's creepy, because there is a thing yeah. called 27 Club. Oh, yeah. And the 27 Club is... is yeah. Kurt Cobain, famously, Jimi Hendrix. Yep. yep. Lots of musicians. Supposedly, it's it's the, it's musicians that's birthdays in three days. Birthdays in three days. So we'll, we'll keep. But he's a, he's at yeah. loud right now. So um, interesting, if anything actually does happen, because that, that the twenty seven club is, from what I understand, musicians and prominent artists that sold their souls essentially. Yeah, primarily. They 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 were promised ten years of extreme luxury, mm-hmm. but then you turn twenty seven, you're out. That's it yeah and that to me is so ridiculous that people would do that like how yeah but you get people at their lowest that's uh that's how it works you know in in a lot of in a lot of traditions that's when demons prey on people is when they're when they're at their lowest and they you go to them and they say hey you know i'll give you everything you want but in 10 years your soul is mine and their people are like well i mean i don't see how it can get worse 10 years is a long time from now and then 10 years seems like it seems like a long time until you know you're you're there <laughs> yeah and i'll tell you I don't, I don't know exactly how you old you are but i'm i'm 23 21 yeah so i i look back on stuff that happened you know like my, my friends and i were all joking around a couple days ago and we were like oh we graduated from high school half a decade ago yeah like it's crazy to think about how time just blows. yeah like you know 10 years ago i i distinctly remember 10 years ago i yeah yeah, yeah no, vividly like happened. no i was it's funny i was talking i had a nightmare the other day where i was 30 and i was freaking out <laughs> and it's like not that I, I i'm excited for my later years but hell i'm fucking mm-hmm. excited about now like I, yeah. I, a bunch of shit's happening but not to completely completely u-turn from this i do want to no, no, go for this, it this last topic um skinwalker ranch i really because right. i fucking sure. I've listened to a bunch of podcasts on it. I've been, I watched a couple documentaries on it. And you, listen, because I want you to get into this shit. Um, <laughs> I, my girlfriend slash self-proclaimed manager is here, like always. And, okay, so Skinwalker Ranch is apparently, it's this ranch in 
You know exactly where it is? It's in eastern Utah, in the Utah Valley. Utah. There you go. And pretty much the craziest shit happens there. From UFO encounters, <laughs> from holes opening up in the sky, from skinwalkers, legit skinwalkers, wendigos, uh, Bigfoot, uh, uh, people morphing into other things. Like, just the craziest shit. Oh, you missed you missed the part about... Uh tall black faceless figures emerging out of portals in the middle of the yard yep like uh floating blue orbs that vaporize dogs yep the the craziest well at first it was a regular family that lived there and they it's it's like a hot spot for all this It, it 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 must be in like some sort of metaphysical realm the same way we have longitude and latitude and things intersect that must be like some sort of intersecting point so, so the story behind it, the story the, uh, the Navajo and the Utes tell is that there was a war between the Navajo and the Utes and the Navajo were losing and that, uh, you know, the, the Utes were selling Navajo uh, prisoners into slavery to the Americans and the Navajo, rather than continue to fight a losing battle, uh, cursed the land with a, a skinwalker curse. Um, and now that that land is along the path of the skinwalker. Uh, so the Utes won't go near it. The Navajo won't go near it. Borders up the Native American reservation um, created by Lincoln. And so the story goes that the Navajo cursed the land. And since then, it's just been this nexus of evil activity, um, of paranormal activity. And, uh, you know, for example, the, the presence of, of skinwalkers, obviously, is the, the, the first one that comes to mind. Oh. But um, the thing about skinwalkers is they are known to astral project. And when you go, I personally have never tried astral projecting in any serious sense, but people I know who have tried it say that, you know, you can enter into kind of a a second dimension um, and that if you're not careful, you can interact with some very not nice beings. And if you are, if you have enough astral projection activity in one spot, it can invite them into that spot. So it would be sensible using all of the, the lore consistent stuff here. For if you put a skinwalker curse on a ranch, then you've got a bunch of evil people who are capable of astral projecting walking around. You're going to draw all kinds of bad stuff to you. You're going to create a nexus of demonic enemies and energy. Um, and that's going to cause all sorts of weird things to happen. Um, you know, you might, you might create rifts in space time. Uh, you know, one, uh, one idea that my dad suggested to me was that um, the, the people climbing in and out of portals and the, the cows that suddenly appear completely dissected and bloodless might have to do with the U.S. military um, realizing they could open portals. And then they were taking the cows, putting them through the portals and, see what and then to see what happens and then yeah. killing them to dissect them and see how their internal organs were and all of that. Um, and then that the people that were then the figures that were then seen crawling through the portals could have perhaps been men in, you know, exosuits yeah. that were built to withstand whatever they determined was going on when you went through the portal That's and that awesome. they were testing it to see, you know, all right, well, what if we need to invade Tehran? Yeah. You know, can, can we send enough people through these portals without severely injuring them to take the city completely out of the blue? Actually, really um, cool theory. Yeah, and it would be an insanely overpowered weapon for the United States to have, which explains why the U.S. military might be so interested in doing research there. 
Uh, and and there's there's one rule that they have, uh, and it's that you can't dig. You can investigate yeah. anything you want, can't dig. Yep. but you can't dig unless they give you a permit, and then they tell you where you can dig, um, which means the, that the they're not going to let you dig wherever the weird stuff is. Yeah, the ranch <laughs> itself, and I believe there's like almost like a path into the woods there that's like a no-dig zone. Yeah. Um, what I was going to bring up is the AAWSAP. I was looking at it real quick. So I feel horrible because there was a family. It was the second family that lived on this ranch. Because the first family, yes, because they, the first family, they knew this fucking crazy shit was happening. So they, they ditched because of poltergeist freaking yeah. the, the, the trickster. Uh, so what a trickster is, is um, there's essentially two types of ghosts. Well, I say ghosts, loose term. The ones that won't essentially hurt you right away, but like you'll turn around and look back and all your pots and pans are just stacked on a perfect pyramid mm -hmm. so that happened to them over and over and over again and which is then, why they have locks deadbolt yeah. locks on every door inside every the house door, cabinet everything deadbolt locks um no, no 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 and then they have um create every night terrors every night um the father i believe would look out of his window see the orbs he would uh, see the portals opening up. Anyway, they knew shit was going on, so they left. And they reported it a million times. Cops would come out there. They would see their calves and cows ripped open with surgical precision um, each time. There weren't any claw marks or nothing. It was like if it, they were perfectly dissected. And sometimes they were left without... There, there was no blood in the area either. Yep. That's the crazy part. They would dissect a cow, and you would assume it's, it's on hay sometimes. Yeah. They would find these calves in hay, and there's pictures and videos of it. And under the under, on the hay, there's no blood, not a drop. It's almost like they suck the blood out and then dissect it, whatever. So they leave, and then this other family comes in. I think they got like a crazy good deal. Obviously, I would have given yep. the house away for free. And when they got there, the government was so interested in studying it. They they created the AAWSAP, which is the Men in Black. And yeah, you're actually you're you're skipping the uh, the part where. Um... Robert Bigelow got involved and yeah, ran yeah. his own private investigation yep. with a bunch of scientists. And they, so, they basically came out and said, we can't explain anything that's going yeah. on here. And then the government got involved. So Robert Bigelow came out with the first family. I think. I think he came out on the first family and then told them, listen, I'm, I'm the one person who believes you here because nobody else believes you. Um, I'm going to set up an investigation. We're going to figure this out. They realized they couldn't figure anything out. They saw the same shit. They would see... Whenever the portal would open up, any sort of surveillance cameras or anything they had up would black out. Every piece of electronic um, hardware they have black out. And they would see these beings. They, they claimed to have seen weird looking animals. They claimed to have seen um, the same trickster shit happening. So they couldn't explain it. So they went to the government, which created that program. And essentially what's so fucked is that this program, the, this agency essentially studied this family for eight years, eight fucking years. And the family never knew they were there. What? Yeah. Family never knew they were there. They studied them for eight years. They took samples. They would come out. They would, they had cameras everywhere. And they, the family didn't know. And this was happening to this family nightly. Like this wasn't a thing that was like, it would happen once a week, once a month, you know, rarely. This shit happened every fucking night. And 
this government agency that was there for eight years, they were super secretive. They haven't released much of what they've discerned. But from what we understand, it's that in eight years of research, over $20 million went into this program, got funded into this program. Wow. They got nothing. Yep. It, was, it was eight years of absolute. Well, the family got nothing, but I'm talking oh, about they got, they got no information out of it. Wow. So what's really, what scares, what's fucking creepy about Skinwalker Ranch is that, like you said, it started off with this Navajo and um, they were fighting the, the who? The Utes. Utes. Navajo and Ute war that they left a curse on the land for Skinwalkers. Skinwalkers asked to project. They invite fucking real demons. They invite fucking, I guess, UFOs would take that as a hotspot because they see all this shit happening and interesting theory about ufos that maybe they are us from the future coming back to get whatever but yeah what it seems like is that the the u.s government recognized that this was a nexus of inexplicable activity mm -hmm. and decided to then go there and uh use it to test out all sorts of things that could just be written off as uh, it's just more weirdness at skinwalker ranch um but uh you know also it's important to note that people who live in the area say it's not just the ranch it's the entire basin yeah. Yeah. has a weird energy around it um that, that something's not right there and that it's just that the ranch is kind of where the all the attention has been centered but this stuff happens around the ranch as well regardless i think around the, that area there's a bunch of indian burial grounds on top of oh yeah of course the crazy shit that's happening but and the story is there's real fucking crazy shit out there that we'll never know. The world isn't black and white. It isn't. No, it is not. There, no. there is fucking weird shit. There's probably are giants in Middle Earth. <laughs> there are probably genuine wizards. Fucking, I don't know, man. But maybe the the truth of the matter is that uh, anything is anything is possible. Um, you know, nothing is true. All is permitted. <laughs> yeah. I mean, anything that can't be proven, you can't diss out either. You can't discern anything's fake. Yeah. But yo, Aiden, like, man, I got to really appreciate you for coming on, bro. This is oh, yeah. Thanks for having me. I'm not going to lie to you. This is probably my favorite podcast. And this is the fourth <laughs> time in a row I say this, but this one, <laughs> like. That just means it just keeps getting better. It's getting better. <laughs> it's, damn, this was a really good fucking podcast, bro. Yeah. Like, yeah, I had fun. Thanks for having me on. Of course, man. Of course. I really appreciate you coming on and, uh. It'll be up on Spotify and Apple Podcasts tomorrow. Awesome. The actual YouTube video will come out in like three weeks. Yeah, those are a little bit harder to edit. <laughs> yeah. No, uh, I, I have the YouTube video release dates Monday and Wednesdays. So gotcha. we'll just release episode six yesterday, episode seven tomorrow. You are episode 11. So got it. Yeah, a couple episodes. Right. You, you mind if I uh, really quick just plug the... Uh... Plug everything. All, All right. right, cool. So uh, yeah, so I'm, uh, again, I'm Aiden Mattis. Uh, historian writer uh storyteller you can find me uh you can find pretty much anything of mine at uh aidenmattis.card.co but uh you know i'm at the aiden mattis on uh tiktok instagram snapchat pr pretty much everything i'm the aiden mattis um and then on youtube uh, i am the host of the lore lodge and so that's a uh, we have videos every couple days that are on a few different topics and then we have a weekly podcast live at 7 p.m on sundays Awesome. All your links, all those links also will be in the description. Uh, awesome. You are the best. Dude, <laughs> really appreciate you coming, man. All right. Yeah. Thank you. Of course. Dude. Thank you, Aiden.